0: Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, guys, welcome back. Welcome to the series Race and the Kingdom. Go ahead and say this to somebody in the room. You can't feed others. If you are not fed, if you are just online, go ahead and put it in the chat. You can't feed others if you are not fed. We're getting into this series and some might be asking, man, Carter, it feels like it's taking a long time even just to talk about race. And it is. And the reason why is because we're going into the scriptures and saying, what do you do during national duress? That's what we're studying. And we're going to get some principles out of the scriptures to help us navigate these challenging times we're in. So you're going to find it picks up over the weeks, but we're still building a foundation. So you can't feed others if you are not fed. Let's dive into it. A minister sat down with an elderly lady in his church and he saw that she had some peanuts there on the coffee table. And so he said, oh, do you mind if I have some of your peanuts while we talk? And she said, no, no, go ahead. Well, they got to talking for a little while. And he noticed after a bit, oh, my word, I just ate all of her peanuts. And he said so. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I ate all these peanuts. And she said, oh, hey, that's okay. You know, since I lost my teeth, I just suck the chocolate right off and put them back in the bowl, so you're good. We don't always know what we're eating. We don't always know what we're eating. This is the case in today's passage. We're going to pick it up in 2 Kings 4, verse 38. Now, Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. One day, as the group of prophets was seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and came back with a pocketful of wild gourds. He shredded them, put them into the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Some of the stew was served to the men, but after they'd eaten a bite or two, they cried out, Man of God, there's poison in this stew! So they wouldn't eat it. Elisha said, Bring me some flour. Then he threw it in the pot and said, Now it's all right. Go ahead and eat. And then it did not harm them. So there was famine in the land that means there's no food this was a dark time in israel's history and there was an agricultural famine but it was highlighting the famine in the people's souls the people had walked away from god the lord had warned them about this at the very outset of the nation of israel hundreds of years Earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God is warning the people. He's saying, hey, you're about to go into this land and I just want you to know I'm going to bless your heads off if you obey me. But if you disobey me, all this bad stuff is going to happen, including famines. He said in verse 24, the Lord will change that rain that falls into your land into powder. And the dust will pour down from the sky until you are destroyed. And my friends, what you and I see on the news and in our social media feed is famine on the land. You know you're in a famine when you're hungry, but nothing satisfies. You can't get full. No matter how much of anything else you possess, in a famine there's not enough rain to be satisfied and sustained even much less healthy. You can't get enough. You can't get enough time. You can't get enough money. You can't go to enough meetings or initiatives. You can't go to enough marches. It's not that those things aren't helpful, but they don't satisfy the soul of an individual or of a nation. Let's talk about idols. Last week we said that an idol was anything or thought or person that you're viewing as your source. You know, an idol's kind of like a cheap imitation. It's like going on a date with a picture of your date rather than your actual date. And whenever we commit idolatry, the true God steps away from us and we begin to starve. Last week we talked about idolatry through the lens of protection, but today we're talking about it through the lens of starvation. Even a lot of religious activity without true connection to Jesus Christ himself will leave us hungry. So from time to time, I figure to myself I deserve some Nestle Toll House cookie dough. This often has to be done in secret though in the Carter house. So I'll sneak downstairs, maybe in the middle of the night, maybe wait till not a lot of people are around and I'll cut off a good hunk, good fourth of that cookie dough and I'll just begin to spoon it into my mouth and every time, you know, people tell me Carter shouldn't eat that stuff because there's salmonella in it. I already know that, and if I was gonna get salmonella, I probably would have had it by now. But I notice every time I eat that stuff, the next day I feel low and weak, and it's really not long before I start to get the cravings. Because I gave into that, now I'm craving even more. It didn't have anything in it that actually nourishes me. And here's the problem. People are looking for nourishment where it isn't. They're looking for answers where there's really only non-answers and those non-answers don't satisfy. And so we stay hungry for peace and productivity and the sense of progress and freedom from fear and freedom from being unsure and unsafe and uncared for and unheeded. See, I believe what is going on in our nation is an outward expression, of what's really going on in so many of our citizens' souls. We are starving for deeper meaning, for deeper connection to one another and to the transcendent. So in our passage today, Elisha returns to Gilgal to see his prophetic students. Now prophets explain to the people spiritual reasons for their social dilemmas. Elisha's like the headmaster or the president of this school of the prophets. And his focus is to prepare these guys to speak the true word of the Lord during a dark time. Now, in order for them to feed the people spiritual nourishment, the prophets themselves have to be fed. So Elisha tells one of the guys to put on a pot of stew. Now, let's go ahead and repeat it. You can't feed others if you're not fed. Remember verse 39 said, One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and came back with a pocketful of wild gourds. He shredded them and put them into the pot without realizing that they were poisonous. What happened? Dude wanted a little bit of flavor. Okay, man, he's hungry. It's famine time. He thinks this gourd looks good, but it's actually poison. He's got a bright idea to put something that looks good into the pot, but the thing is actually bad. And I think you know this, for even the smartest among us, there are places where we've totally guessed and it didn't go well. Like we so often do, he was operating in his own wisdom, or in this case, his own foolishness. I wonder how often we fail to consider the long-term consequences of some passing impulse or some fleeting sinful shortcut. The purpose of the stew was to nourish the prophets so that they could get the word out during the famine. But now what was supposed to help them is actually working against them. Some of the stew, verse 40, was served to the men, but after they'd eaten a bite or two, they cried out, man of God, there's poison in the stew so they would not eat it. Some of your translations might say, man of God, there's death in the pot. See, we often pick up some ideas from the world and we mix in something that doesn't belong. We bring an alleged solution to our problems or to our hungers, but we don't realize that we're mixing that which is not of God with that which is of God. We're taking ideas that are foreign to the word of God and we're pulling them into God's word. So we have ideas and alleged solutions and poisonous worldviews because we think it looks good or I think it fits or I think it'll make me feel better or it might heal my anxious and we chop it up and we mix it with the truth of God's word. But it's an illegitimate mixture. It's not something God has approved or prescribed. We stir it into our walk with God or our family or our work life, but we find that it reduces the potency of God's word. And it doesn't fill or protect or satisfy. When I was a kid, we would ride bikes everywhere in the neighborhood. And so sometimes, you know, you want to cut through people's yards because why well, go all the way around all those roads? And so we'd cut through and the neighbors didn't always like it because it would leave this little smashed down, you know, patch of grass. And what were we doing? We were taking an illegitimate path in the name of of a shortcut. And that's what we do sometimes. We cut across God's word with a shortcut and then we wonder why we're not satisfied. For married couples who want to flirt with other people, that's poison in the stew. We thought that we could have a shortcut in our work life for the sake of making us successful, but we don't understand now why we're dying. That's poison in the stew. Somebody said there's poison in the stew. Sometimes we can get so mixed up and we can mix it up so bad that we don't really have any clue how to get out of it. And we think about pouring poison into a stew. How are you going to get that out? The poison is already in the stew. There's no way to get it out. You can't mix oil and water. You can't be double-minded in your following of God and then not really following Him. You can't get the poison out of the stew just by trying to spoon it out or something. This compromise, this mix doesn't just mix us up, it mixes our very nation up. Look how the problem of race-based slavery has affected the unity and our identity of our nation even 244 years after the Declaration of Independence. I mean, think about all of these educated people in this nation with all this money and they still can't fix the land because there's already poison in the stew. So how is the poison resolved when the poison's already in it? But you know, it's not just the nation, it's all of us. There are areas of life that you and I couldn't really untangle even if we tried. We can't unwrap it, we can't unwind it. The mixing has regressed us and stupefied us. And so if the bringers of light are mixing their light with darkness, how can they bring light anywhere else? What do we do? When we're all mixed up, here's what we do. When you're all mixed up, get more Jesus and his word in you. When you're all mixed up, get more Jesus and his word in you. And that's really what we have to do on a national scale, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Elisha said, let's go to verse 41. Elisha said, bring me some flour. Then he threw it in the pot and said, now it's all right. Go ahead and eat. And then it did not harm them. Let's be clear that this is a miracle. It only works because the power of God was present to neutralize the effects of the poison from the mix. But notice this, he said, man of God, there's poison in this stew. You know, the true man of God in scripture is Jesus, which every man of God, no matter how great they were, Moses or Noah or Elijah, any any of them, they're just a diminished echo of the man of God, Jesus Christ. When there's death in the pot, go to Jesus first with your poisoned life. The flour is for bread, just like in our day. It's what they made bread out of. And Jesus is the bread of life. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. Oh, that sounds good. And he who believes in me will never thirst. So let's take a break and go to the chat. What is the dirtiest thing you've ever had to clean? It was so dirty, you got dirty trying to clean it up. Now it's important to notice that in most cases, evil taints good. When you pick up a nasty, dirty old rag covered in oil and dirt and who knows what else, your clean hand doesn't clean the rag. The rag gets your hand dirty. At first, the poison overrode the stew, not the other way around. But when Jesus comes, The good infects and ultimately overwhelms the bad. This is a picture of sanctification. The purity of Jesus is so powerful that it overwhelms the poison. The poison in our lives and nation can only be transformed when it comes into contact with the Savior. So what do we do? Let's ask two questions. Here's question number one. Is there poison in this pot? Is there poison in this pot? One of the best ways to remove tainted mixture is to stop putting more poison in the pot we've got some who are listening who are watching right now you've been poisoned in your souls by the wrong people by addictions by behaviors by maybe inappropriately relating to a co-worker for some of us and i'm not trying to be too insensitive sensitive here but the kind of romance novels that are really just lady porn we got to watch out what we're looking at my friends Some of these reality shows that you might have seen during the, uh, you know, quarantine type times, some of the counseling shows, they're just like, they put crazy ideas in your mind that are contrary to the good purity of God's word. Friends who wanna go places and to be exposed to poison in the pot. Now we gotta remember, the worse the poison is, the more flour we need. We need to reverse the effects of compromise with more Jesus. That leads us to the second question. How can I get more Jesus in me? That's, I think we need to ask that every day. How do I get more Jesus in me? We need more Jesus and more of his words. You've been dealing with this for years. Well, you just need to keep pouring more flour in. You need now what you needed at first when you watch the news man that's just watching poison and you're watching people trying to get poison out but putting more poison in I'm not saying you can't watch the news i'm just saying we got to be very discerning of this is just poisoning my spirit i've been noticing recently like i'll just be randomly angry during the day and i'm like what? what's so, what's wrong oh i just watched that thing online and you know what it wasn't worth my peace so what do we need to do? We need to pour in more Jesus. We need more of God's word, undiluted, because it overwhelms the poison. You can just keep pouring more Jesus in. When we take the flower seriously, it will make us whole again. You may have noticed this, but this is not the time for Jesus' light. Now, this is really important. It's important that we chase Jesus, chase him, not just the book. You can't have more Jesus without more of the Word. This is how He talks to us. But you need the living Jesus, not just the law of the Word. See, even the New Testament can become a law if we read it the wrong way. We're looking for Jesus in the Bible, not regarding the Bible as Jesus. See, Jesus didn't say, "Come to the Bible." He said, "Come to Me." Remember John six thirty-five. He said, "I'm the bread of life. He who comes to Me." will not hunger. So make sure that the Bible is not God himself, but a doorway to knowing God. Ask the Lord, speak to me in this book. This is unique. This is anointed above all other books, forms of communication on earth, but I'm looking for Jesus, not just to know the book. Remember we said last week, I don't want to just know the book of the Lord. I want to know the Lord of the book. Putting more Jesus in can cure almost any anything. Just think about this. You can spend an hour in Bible study and prayer. Maybe for you it's only 30 minutes. And your entire disposition and frame of mind can change. It can just be like, man, I was so wrought up and anxious and I just sat down. You know, Rick Warren said this. He said, I can read myself out of almost any trial. And I've just found that to be true, man. If I'll just shut everything else down and focus on more Jesus and more Jesus and more Jesus and dude, something changes, something shifts in my spirit. Now I can be much more helpful to the rest of the world instead of just kind of mixing in with the poison. I've removed a lot of poison from myself. So now I can be helpful. Let me give you some ideas of how you can do this. Okay, first, read an extra 10 minutes a day. You say, Carter, I can barely read 10 minutes. Okay, so read 12 minutes to God's glory. Just move yourself up, do something a little bit more. Maybe for you, it's, I need to listen to a devotional podcast, like the Daily Audio Bible when I start my day. Super easy, you just download it. You don't even really have to read. You're just listening as you brush your teeth or whatever you're doing, but you're getting more Jesus in you. Now, it's not just more Bible, it's also more obedience and more honor. We need to watch more healthy TV instead of unhealthy TV. Maybe for you it's about the Sabbath. We need to consecrate the Sabbath to the Lord more intentionally. Maybe for you it's about ways you can honor Jesus with your shopping. Uh, Don't just rush out and buy something that you impulsively think you need. Here's here's what you might want to do. Ask the Lord for it and wait to see how he gets it for you so you can praise him. You cannot go into debt and you can see God is my provider and I'm putting more Jesus in. Spend more time praying for people that aren't you or your family. That's putting more Jesus in. How about this? Don't wait until you get more obedient. Get more obedient by putting more Jesus in. So then they ate. It wasn't enough that the problem was fixed. It wasn't enough for them to see it and know it. These school of prophets, they had to eat it. You go to a restaurant, and you get a menu, and it is a written record of what you can eat. Now, you can read it, and you, you sometimes you get hungry just looking at it. You start to salivate. You're like, oh, man, I want this, and I want that, and I want that. And then maybe a waiter or waitress comes out to you, and they're like, well, I'm, let me explain a little bit deeper. Let me show you what what this is and, and what's over here. Maybe you didn't see this. And, and then they even do a QA and a sometimes. If you're at a nice restaurant, they're like, okay, do you have any questions? What else can I tell you about this? Because I maybe have some insider knowledge that you don't have. They exegete the menu. They describe it. They give you the picture. But at the end of the day, you don't just get up then and go home. No, you didn't come to leave. You don't just want it explained. You want to eat it. And many times we have folks that maybe they tune into church or they read a little bit in their message notes and they love when the pastor explains it. But until they eat it, They're not going to be full. They're still going to be hungry. The word can't change us unless we eat it. Jeremiah said, I ate your words, and they were like honey inside of me. You can go every day, but if you never eat, you're going to be starving. We want to learn everything that this book says. We want to hear what experts say. We want to give ourselves to the study of the book. But it's not until we eat it that we're going to be satisfied and filled and changed. One day, a man went to the local Meijer, and he was looking for some spaghetti sauce, and he found some ragu, man. It was chock full of everything. But he went up to the clerk, and he said, okay, I've got this spaghetti sauce. Now, where do I find the tomatoes for my spaghetti sauce? And the clerk said, the tomatoes are already in there. He said, oh, okay. How do I find the basil? He said, the basil's already in there. He said, oh, okay, well, what about the garlic? Where do I get the garlic? And he said, the garlic's already in there. See, it's already in there. What you have contains all you need. Do you need some peace? Um, It's in that Bible. Do you need some order in your life? It's in that Bible. Do you need some justice? It's in that Bible. Do you need unity? It's in there. Do you need joy? It's in there. Do you need provision? It's in there. Quit looking out there when you have all that you need right in your hand. Quit shopping everywhere else because God says it's in there. It's already in there. If we will take God's word seriously, we will discover that he didn't leave anything out. My friends, you and I have a call in our generation to be salt and light, but we need to be the kind that is constantly filtering out the poison that this world is putting in us. And the only way we're going to do that is going to be by asking two questions. Is there poison in this? And how do I get more Jesus in me? Let's pray. Hey, Lord, we do, man, we need your word. And we need not just to know it. We need not just to love it. We need to do it. We need to eat it. So, Lord, I pray that your spirit would guide us faithfully. I pray that you just, you maybe lay on our hearts one little step that we can do to get more Jesus in us. And I pray that you would show us any place where, man, that's poison. And we've, maybe, maybe we didn't know it was poison. Maybe we did know it was poison. But now we need to get that poison away from us. God, we pray that you would use us as people that are being filtered poison out of us. You'd use us in this generation to help others, to, to bring about some healing in our sphere of influence. God, we believe it's your purpose. We believe you want to do it. We believe you're going to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe? Share it with your friends. Click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.